Hello, hello. Hi. We're back and better than ever. How are you? I'm a little nauseous, to be honest. Fair. Fair. Exactly. We, yeah, we have been, um, we've been doing some chatting about today's topic, which and obviously I, we'll get into. Unfortunately, finding pictures that should not be on the internet. You know, I'm, I'm actually really good at finding photos that I should not find. <laughs> and it's kind of unsettling how many awful things I've stumbled upon stumbled upon some some dead bodies yeah so you know i'm i feel like we haven't recorded in forever it's been a while it has been yeah you guys won't know because we've been releasing a backlog of episodes so it feels normal for you the last time we recorded one was in vegas it's true oh yeah i miss vegas me too shout out to vegas yeah Shout out to the Blue Man Group. Shout out to the Blue Man Group. <laughs> and Matthew Gray Goobler. Gooby. Gooby. Call we'll us. see you next time. We'll see you, baby. <laughs> I'm Kate. And I'm Jane. And this is Creeps and Coffee. A show where we talk about the dark parts of the world around us. Cryptids, conspiracies, things that go bump in the night and the crimes behind the scariest creatures of all, humans. Join us as we take a look at the stories sure to give you the creeps. Pull up a seat, grab a coffee, and let's have a chat. On a more serious so, note, murder. Mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Matthew Gregobler, <laughs> um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, he plays Spencer Reed in Criminal Minds. So I've still got Jamie on her Criminal Minds kick. Thank God. Um, but yeah, on a on a serious note, today's episode is intense. Yeah. It's been a long... It feels like it's been a long time since we've covered a true crime case. Yeah, trigger warning. Yeah, so there's a bit of a content warning happening. Obviously, discussion of, of murder and death in general is not something most people enjoy. Yeah, and if you read the um, title also cannibalism <laughs> yeah yeah there's uh, there's a little a little bit of cannibalism that we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. there's some pretty disturbing obviously uh, i feel like it's kind of annoying to hear this again but we say it in every true crime episode that we do we're not here to go over the gory details of things we'll talk about it a little bit but we're not going to go in depth because that's not what this show is mm-hmm. we're not here to glorify what's happened we're here to discuss the psychology behind it and the impact of it on society and, in this case, pop culture, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. We're not here to disrespect the victim. We're not here to disrespect the family of the victim. We're here to talk about why criminal cases like this affect people like us. But yeah, we want to acknowledge before we even get into any of this that the victim in this case was not just a person who's... Or not just a character whose story we get to talk about. She was a real person with real friends and family and people who loved and cared about her. And what happened was horrendous. Obviously, we'll get into the repercussions of it and that sort of thing, but we want to, before anything else, acknowledge how awful this was and send our love and condolences to the people that loved her. Mm -hmm. 
it's so tricky to talk about stuff like this because you don't want to say I like it, I'm excited about it, because that's fucked up. You found this case. But I found this particularly intriguing. Yeah. Because of the psychological aspects behind it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I don't think we've ever covered the psyche behind cannibalism on this podcast. And it is a lot. (laughs) Buckle up, folks. Yeah. And he was also very open with it. So we have a lot of content to work with. That's part of the intrigue. It's just the blatant narcissism. But, you know, we'll get into that. We're not going to jump right into deep psychoanalysis, I promise. As good as I am at doing that, (laughs) we won't. Mm -hmm. So, as we jump into this, if you haven't figured out by now, if you haven't read the title of the episode, thanks for listening blindly, I guess. But also, maybe maybe read it. Uh, Just... (laughs) Just, yeah. Hi. Hi, Tammy. Um, just to prepare yourself a little bit, we are going to be talking about a man named Issei Sagawa and his f- fuckiness. Yeah. During my master's degree, that's the best word that I could come up with, is mm-hmm. fuckiness. Okay. That's a- how today is going to go. A.K.A. the Kobe cannibal. Yes. Yeah. So, well, my, my, I was going to say my earlobe fell out. No. Mm. My earbud. So, James, would you like to start us off with a little bit of background, introduction? Painting a picture. Paint us a beautiful picture, my sweet, mm, what's a, what do you call a good painter? Artist? Uh... Like, but like a natural artist, what do you call it? Give me a sip. Don't look at me right now. <laughs> It'll come to me. Fuck it. Okay. I was going to say maestro. That's the only word that was coming to my brain. I'll take it. That's not I guess. that. No, that's music. Oh, whatever. It literally doesn't matter. Okay, I'm Bob Ross. I got this. There we go. So, painting picture. Everybody close your <laughs> eyes unless you're driving. You are in a place in Japan called Kobe. Not the basketball player. Not the type of beef. Um, And that is where Issei Sagawa was born on April 26th, 1949. This dude, for as long as he could remember, always kind of fancied cannibalism um even from his young age he apparently would reach for different fairy tales that depicted humans being eaten like Hansel and Gretel he recalls noticing classmates in young grades and wanting to do inappropriate things not even in the sexual way as caitlin said before like not a sexual sadist but like actually (laughs) nom nom that looks yummy i want to eat it it became a sexual thing later but we'll get into that but 
he said that he's also done a lot of interviews. That's how we, we've found all of this information. Um, he said that he can't really explain or conceptualize it to people who aren't cannibals. So, like, most yeah. people. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> he's misunderstood. Um, aren't they all? But he says he blamed the media's representation of Western women for helping <laughs> spark this cannibalistic fantasy. Um, so, yeah, w- instead of dreaming of sleeping with women he dreamt of eating them and And look yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna butt in here Mm -hmm. and say as i've said first because somehow every episode talks about sex i promise that's not totally on purpose but i just needed to address it (laughs) this is this is not kink shaming thing Mm. This is a crime. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think people... There was a... There was a big debate. There was a case... I want to say in Germany. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, because I don't... Are you talking about the one where the guy cut of... off the penis? Yes. While he was alive? Yes. Yep. Because it was a consensual sexual thing. So for yeah. those of you who don't know what we're talking about, this man put out an ad... Because he had cannibalistic urges that were sexual by nature. Mm-hmm. And he put out an ad asking for people who wanted to be eaten. And a man responded, gave full consent about wanting to be eaten. They cut off his penis, fried it. They tried to eat it together. Like, this, I mean, that one is a moral dilemma. And that That's was a big conversation a in philosophy area. and sociology groups. It's a big gray area. Is that why I heard about it from psych class? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> For sure. It's better than just having that knowledge. I don't know where it came from. My homeroom teacher in high school told me about it. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Evans. Um, yeah. But That's not that name. Chris Evans. <laughs> not that Chris Evans or my cousin. Who oh. also goes by the same name. Oh my god, okay. There's a lot. Anyway. But all that to say, it's a moral gray area. They were both consenting adults. It's a different situation. This is not consensual in any sense. Mm-mm. He was overtly making these advances and weird comments and being creepy and gross yeah. to people who were not consenting. Not all of it was sexual in nature, but a lot of it was. Anytime Issei was interacting or having these thoughts, it was equally from a place of anger and sexual desire, mm. which is often what creates a sadistic person, mm. which is how we've gotten to this point. That was that was just me popping in. Thank because you. we're not kink-shaming, no. but also don't eat people. Yeah, but this man... He he tried to defend himself and say he never actually thinks about killing them. That's not the part he fantasizes about. It's just the the chewing on the, their flesh and eating them. The eating. Yeah. 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 And he tried to explain it like it's like a fetish. Um a man is attracted to a woman, he feels a desire to see her, kiss her, 
blah 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 he says that's exactly how he feels but with eating said women blah 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 um and he he finds it weird that other people don't feel this urge yeah and that makes me unsettled it's to use a modern term it's very much main character syndrome and him thinking that his way is the highway and that everyone has to cater to his needs egocentric very egocentric so the fact that he doesn't it's not that he doesn't want to see that his desires could potentially be out of the norm it's that he refuses to accept that it could be abnormal and it's everyone else's problem that it's not a normal urge that's what's unsettling about this is that he has really gotten to the point uh, or had really gotten to the point of sociopathy essentially Mm -hmm. that he was incapable of understanding how his actions could negatively influence someone else Mm -hmm. nor did he give a fuck that they did which ultimately landed him in the position he was in Mm -hmm. and doing the things that he did yeah he did however attempt one singular time to see a psychiatrist at the age of 15 about combating these urges you look like you want to say something look we all tried therapists at 15 it doesn't always work (laughs) attempting once at 15 when you're already angsty and weird yeah clearly he needed more yeah so shocker uh it didn't help and it actually made him feel more isolated obviously this part made me kind of laugh he's described as super short under five feet tall and super skinny and and i quote too repulsive to attract any kind of physical intimacy that would have tempered his desires i would like to correct i would like to correct what you just said all of those descriptions about him are accurate. He was not described by other people as that. That is a self-description. That is how he described himself. And, and I concur. There. Yeah. Have you seen that him? Is, <laughs> that is the one thing that I'm like, yeah, you got it. You're spot on there, bud. Yeah. Um... But this this is also an indicator, and then here I go on my fucking soapbox again. This is also an indicator of clearly inner turmoil and clearly some fucked up psyche. Mm. That he is at the point where him saying this stuff about himself is not detrimental to him. He's not saying it to be, he doesn't have a degradation kink. He's not saying it to, like, gain sympathy. He's saying it because he genuinely believes those things. Mm. understands that this is how he's perceived and has absolutely no problem with it it's just like these are the facts i'm a repulsive short ugly man and i want to eat people and Mm. i should have the right to do it and is unwilling to budge on that perspective Mm -hmm. which is nuts to me 
But then again, a lot of thoughts that men have are nuts to me. After finally 32 years, he did decide to give in to these urges. Um, And this was the point where, sorry to interrupt. I saw that your mouth was open and I was like, ah, whatever. It's fine. It's not like I was talking about it. <laughs> Maybe think of that audio clip of the two guys that have the podcast where one of them starts to talk. You go. And like, yeah. <laughs> no, you go. Your turn. Yeah. I love that. I love that podcast. It's a basement yard podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. If you guys ever want insight into an unedited. We are literally un- like that. Yeah, an unedited episode of Creeps and Coffee is just us going, no, you go. No, it's fine. I just say, no, it's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say now. Good. Can I continue? <laughs> Please do. Go ahead. Cut me off again when you remember. Yeah, um, I will. <laughs> so, he was in France, mm. and... She's just waiting for me to cut her off. I am. I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm gearing up for it. So he was very, as weird as it is, he was very artsy. And he was very interested in manga and poetry and drawing and all of these things. Yes. So he moved to France when he was 27. Uh, So this would have been 1977. Mm -hmm. Um... Actually, before we talk about this in general, so he was 27 when he moved to France, but when he was 24, he went to university in Tokyo, still in Japan. Mm. That's where Tokyo is. He ended up... (laughs) Sorry. She just used one of my tactics on me, and I hated it. (laughs) So we were just... I know what I was going to cut you off for now. Okay. So, we were talking about how he finally decided that he was going to act on his desires. Mm. So, when he was 24, in Tokyo, which is where is Japan is where Tokyo is. Fuckhead. Um, <laughs> he ended up following an exchange student home, um, broke into her apartment, and said that he had full intention to cannibalize her. His plan was, and he actually ended up making a manga about this experience. Oh. Um, He attempted to cut off, or he was planning to attempt to cut off a piece of her butt, like her butt cheek. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So, planned on cutting off a piece of her butt, running away with it, and eating it when he got home, essentially. But she woke up. And attacked him, pushed him to the ground, clearly overpowered him. Good for her. He was captured and charged with attempted rape because they assumed that, I guess I had a trigger warning there. Oh. Um, they assumed that if he was going to break into this woman's apartment, that was his intention. Mm. Which is fair because my first thought would not be, this man wants to cut off a piece of my butt so he can eat it. Nope. It would be, I'm about to be assaulted. Um... But his father ended up paying a settlement to this German woman, and he was never charged. The The rape charges were dropped. Mm. So nothing ever came from that. So then we go 
to when he was 27. So three years later, 1977, he moved to France to do his PhD in literature. Mm. So for this, he went to the Sorbonne, which is in Paris. It's a fantastic school. Um, incredible programs. Very jealous that a fuckhead like this can get in. Mm. But yeah, that's how he ended up in Paris. So he was kind of trying to get away from Japan because of his desires becoming almost unbearable at mm. this point. Um, he felt like he had to act on them. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he wanted to go study literature. Yeah. So, oh, okay. you, know, <laughs> you know, totally normal juxtaposition there. Yeah. And while he's there, he became obsessed with his ritual. Um, He was really trying to get rid of these urges. Every night, he would bring home a prostitute and try to shoot them and kill them. Um, And he just, he always backed out or it didn't work out, luckily for them, um, until, unfortunately, there was one girl who mm-hmm. didn't quite was, make it. Did yeah, you want to discuss her? A, l- a little bit, yeah. yeah. So, as we start to talk about this woman who did not make it, through her interactions with Issei Sagawa. Um, I think it's important to point out that the authorities are very secretive about this case, and I think that's based on her family's request. There is not publicly available information about Renee's family, about any of their names, any of their connection to her at the time of her death. We don't know, like, the number of her siblings. What we do know is obviously her family was heartbroken. They pledged to push for Issei to be tried as much as possible in the court system. They did not want this murderer to ever see the light of day. But we'll talk about how that went. But I just wanted to acknowledge that the reason that we're not kind of going into more detail about Renee is because her family has requested that that be the case. Mm -hmm. So it's important to, while acknowledging that she is a person, you don't need to have all of her information out there to be able to say, hey, she didn't deserve this. So what we do know about Renee, she was a 25-year-old woman from the Netherlands, she was invited to have dinner at Issei Sagawa's apartment under the pretext of a school assignment. So mm. he invited her over, hoping for help translating poetry for an assignment um, at the Sorbonne. And obviously, that was a ruse. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it was unfortunately just a ruse to get her back into his place and he actually tried to kill her well once and failed 
apparently there was a malfunction in the gun when she wasn't looking, her back was turned. Um, so he tried to do it again the next night. Um, I'm assuming he did the same ruse, like, come back over, let's finish the assignment. Um, but unfortunately for her, the gun did fire and he did kill her. Uh, he said he felt remorse momentarily, um, and then was overpowered with his excitement, uh, which I hate. Uh, he then sexually assaulted her, her body, um, and then started doing the cannibal stuff that I don't want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm like saying this with my teeth like clenched. Um, yeah, I'm like my whole body's tense. He said his only regret was that he hadn't eaten her while she was still alive. Um, but he still claims that he never wanted to actually kill her, just eat her. Okay, brother, shut up. <laughs> That is actually not better. Yeah. Shockingly enough. Doesn't make it better. Um, Um, I think it should also be pointed out that he complained that his teeth weren't sharp enough to eat her. Boo-hoo. It's almost like that's not meant to be eaten by humans. Yeah, it's crazy how human flesh should not be consumed. Um, But that caused him to go and purchase a butcher knife. Mm. And do things that way. Yeah. Um, so two days after (laughs) killing Renee, um, he had eaten and frozen multiple body parts, but decided to dispose of the rest of her body. This, I want to say a lot of swear words right now, this dude, (laughs) uh, decided the best way to do so was to use two suitcases and then call a cab have Mm -hmm. the cab drop him off in a park I don't know how to say the name of this park Bois de Bologna 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 Bois de Bologna park at least you got the Bois part That was the most Acadian. That's the most Acadian I've ever sounded. But yeah, apparently his big brilliant plan was to just drop the suitcases in the lake that was in the park. But shocker, (laughs) it's a public park. Mm -hmm. Multiple people noticed, hey, that guy has suitcases with blood dripping out of it. (laughs) And called the police. Obviously. This would be the fastest episode of Criminal Minds ever. Sorry continue yeah no you're absolutely right what's astounding to me about it and it to a certain extent it's not surprising because he's obviously a sociopath and Mm. it means nothing to him um the human life aspect is irrelevant because he's getting what he wants um Mm. regardless of the sexual desires behind it he it's power um but what's baffling to me is that he goes to all of this trouble and just destroys this woman and her family's life for the rest of existence. Like, the rest of their family lineage is going to have this in their memory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But the only reason that he decided that he needed to get rid of her wasn't because he felt guilty, wasn't because he was scared of getting caught. It was because her body started to decompose and he was grossed out. Yeah. So like, this man that's had the such true mark. little... He did not care. Just, there such little respect. Just, he did not consider anything. Obviously, we know he didn't consider anyone else's feelings, but he didn't consider human life to be of value. Yeah. So he could get his dick hard. Once. At the end of the day. Yeah, literally once. Good for you. It's it's just... There's a lot of things that surprise me about humanity, and there's obviously a lot of things that don't surprise me. Mm -hmm. This is something that will always be shocking. Yeah. Always. Because we have (laughs) empathy. Uh, So the police found Sagawa, and were like, um... Hello? Eh, what's going on? And he's... Yeah, he was caught. He, he was immediately, caught in the act. Yeah, he immediately was like, oh yeah, I killed her. Uh, I ate her. Literally, this, point blank. This is, this is further baffling to me, and it further proves this man is a psychopath. That he mm-hmm. was like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. I had a desire to eat her, so I ate her. And now I don't need this anymore. Yeah. Um, like, what the fuck? Ugh. So obviously. Imagine. <laughs> you imagine go. being. The, sorry. You go. Imat- no, your turn. I'm done. I'll wait. Yeah. Imagine being the police officer that was like, sir, what's in your suitcase? Dead body. <laughs> Dead body? I ate it. Oh, okay. I'm gonna need you to step to the side, sir. I'm gonna call for backup, I think. Like, you at least expect to put up a fight. But. Something. No. And any normal person would. Mm hmm. Clearly, for a multitude of reasons, we know that this man is not considered normal. Mm hmm. So, obviously, he got arrested uh, and awaited a trial for two years in a French prison. Uh,. A French judge, Jean-Louis Bruguier, nailed it. Uh, declared him legally insane, good, and unfit to stand trial, because he was legally insane, and unfit to stand trial. Um, so that also meant they dropped the charges and ordered him to be held in a mental institution indefinitely. Here's where things go bad. Go worse. Yeah. Uh, they. Here's where the problems start. Dis- they deported him back to Japan mm-hmm. uh, so that he could spend the rest of his life in a Japanese mental hospital. However, that's not what happened. No. Because the charges in France had been dropped, the court documents became sealed and couldn't be released to Japanese authorities. Therefore, in Japan, they had no case against him to keep him locked in an institution. So he was allowed to leave of his own free will, and obviously he did. He checked himself out August 12th. He could not be detained. Yeah. Based on Japanese law. He was checked out 
1986 of the Matsuzawa Psychiatric Hospital in Tokyo. And he lived the rest of his life a free man. And here... The murderous cannibal. This is what pisses me off about this. Yes, it's an oversight that there is not more... Like, that's an awful government loophole to have. But that, that's what I was going to say. It's, an, it's a terrible oversight that there's not more consistency among governments. Like, obviously, don't trust the government. It's terrible, whatever. Anarchy. But, but there should be some consistency in terms of prison sentences. There should be some consistency in terms of international law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, culture's going to come into play to a certain extent. But when you have cases like this, there has to be some normalcy yeah a man like this should not be able to walk free but the problem does not lie in the fact that he was able to walk free the problem lies in the fact that he did not just walk free he became a celebrity yeah he profited off of this for the rest of his life until the day he died Mm -hmm. in november of 2022 this man profited wholeheartedly off of the crime that he committed and never once apologized. And also, imagine like, being Renee's family. Exactly. He didn't it's even constant... get punished. He's making a profit no. off of your daughter, your sister, your cousin's murder. And let's put this into context here. Because when we are talking... Like, the reason this is as annoying and as anger-inducing as it is, is because when we talk about profit, it isn't like, oh, he got invited to do an e-interview oh 60 minutes wanted to interview a psychopath sure stuff like that happened there's Mm -hmm. many many interviews with him this man i told you he had an interest in manga and art and literature Mm -hmm. he released his own are they comics manga comics manga yeah like his own books essentially of his own illustration of his own crimes and desires. He went on to have his own shows and his own, like, tell-all novels and his own porn career. Yeah. Did you mention that it was over 20 published books? I did not. Yeah, so yeah, he not, published over again, 20 books. Yeah, and they, Not one or two. Yeah, and they were messed up. Like, one of the titles was called Extremely Intimate Fantasies of Beautiful Girls, filled with pictures drawn of himself. Like, that's just not needed. And it's... It's not needed in general, but it's certainly not needed from a man who committed an atrocity like this. Yeah. And who has blatantly proven that this is something that he has done and will do again if given the opportunity. Or would have done again if given the opportunity. Yeah. The, the fact... The thing that baffles me about this, and this is actually what got me interested in this case. Not, that's a weird segue for me to have. So, essentially, he did a porno. Yeah, the softcore porn? Yes. So, he had sex with this woman, consensually, but they didn't tell her who he was or what he'd done. Until after, until after... They had made the porn. Imagine how violated. And then they made her do it again after. Why? 
It's disgusting. Like, that makes me feel sick to my stomach. I don't have anything smart to say to that. No. But there was... That was not the only porn that he ever did. He was a well-known Japanese porn star for biting people in the pornos. It's fucked. Anyway. Lots of talk shows. Just a publicity stunt. And I don't know if you mentioned this. He also did... A public review for restaurants? Mm-hmm. Excuse me? I don't want to know that the cannibal thinks this restaurant is good. No. No, thank you. Also... Uh, somehow, sorry. I don't feel that that would be a positive endorsement. Nope. Uh, featured in magazines, he also had a lecture circuit where he talks about his crime and mm-hmm. different urges. Girl... Like, from a psychological perspective, it is interesting to hear... And to have as much interview footage as we do. Tell me from a jail but cell. I would, but that's ex- took the words right out of my fucking mouth. Jamie, you're my best friend in the world. <laughs> like, those interviews can happen mm-hmm. from a punitive perspective. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be a free man telling you the story of how fucked up they are. If, it can be a person behind bars. If I walked into that lecture not knowing... I'm going to feel so uncomfortable being like, oh, this man ate and killed somebody. I don't want to sit here. I'm in the front row. As a professor, how could you feel comfortable welcoming a person like this to your students? Yeah. He, and he claims he has refrained from cannibalism ever since the incident. I don't believe that. Bullshit. I believe that he might have done it since then because the urges are so strong and just never got caught. And obviously he's not going to tell people, oh yeah, I did it a couple more times after I got in trouble. Because then, no. yeah, you will go to an institution. Um, yeah. But he's literally gone gloating, saying, not gloating, but like going no, around gloating. saying like, oh, June is really hard because all the women start wearing less and like, I just really want to like bite them. Like, brother, you're telling me he hasn't committed another crime since then. Even then, I can guarantee he's committed a crime. Maybe even not just cannibalism. Probably assault. Probably stalking women from the train station. This man makes me feel itchy. Yeah. The problem with this for me, (laughs) among many other problems I have Mm -hmm. with this, is... Yes, he was a thousand percent stalking women, being creepy, making unwanted advances, doing all of the things, never getting caught for it. He absolutely was. There's not a doubt in my mind. Sure, I don't have concrete proof of it, but sue me. Oh, Mm -hmm. he can't. He's fucking dead. Um, (laughs) We'll get to that. But, yeah. But the fact that he still to this day has a fan base... Of people who love his books and his yeah. stories and think he's so sexy and so mysterious. And, and they know cool. about the crimes. And it's it's no different to me than the psyche of a woman who is obsessed with Manson, who is obsessed with Richard Ramirez, who is obsessed with any of these fucking serial killers. Get a grip. Like, it is not the romanticized version with Evan Peters in it. It no! is someone who actually... And murders, and you are not special. You will not change them. They would kill you in an no! instant if they had the chance. And and that's a like hard how... thing for me to hear too, because I love American Horror Story. Ever since season one with 
Tate Langdon. I could change him. Realistically, I could not. He would kill me. Look at, look at the, I mean, American Horror Story is a prime example. I'll take a shot every time we talk about American Horror Story. Another prime example for me. I've been in love with Zac Efron since I was like seven years old. Mm -hmm. High School Musical changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I will forever be in love with that man. When his Ted Bundy movie came out, it's difficult to see something like that in pop culture have the background information of Zac Efron and knowing that I love Zac Efron and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to separate that from Mm. what Ted Bundy was. And I don't say, I'm not hesitating to not say who Ted Bundy was. I'm saying what, because he was a monster. There should be no glorification with someone like Zac Efron because Mm. it perpetuates stuff like this. It was the same thing with Evan Peters. It's the same thing with fucking Zodiac stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, this perpetual perspective of them as these, like, suave individuals. Like, that is doing nothing to help the circumstances of cults of fandoms like Well, that's like just Hollywood Sagawa trying has. to make a buck, because they know if they but get exactly. a hot guy to do it, or a well-known face, like, who was it, like, Ross Lynch was also Dahmer yep. before? yep. And everyone knew, oh, like, yeah, people will watch it. He used to be on Disney, and now he's a serial killer in a show. But the more the more you encourage stuff like that, yeah. the easier it is when you have a situation like Issei Sagawa, where he's not attractive. Yeah. He's not charismatic. He is self-described and as And has there ugly. been a Netflix movie about him? Like, him he being just died and so sexual? Buckle oh, up. God. But this is what I mean. When you have people like that, it's easier for those who are not those traits Mm -hmm. to get fame and fortune and a fan base because people are like, well, these traits are now the attractive thing. Remember this is six years when Netflix releases a topic and we're like, I told you so. If I don't get residuals, if that SAG after strike doesn't come for us right now, I'll fight somebody. But you know what I mean? The easier... Hollywood makes it to attach those traits to someone attractive when you are removing the attractiveness of that individual and those traits are what's left behind society picks up on that being attractive no matter how fucked up it is it's ooh I you I can change him ooh he's like controlling but in a sexy way no yeah. these are dangerous people and the fact that there is anyone defending this man anyone saying that they're a fan of his work of anything he's done, anything he's said, I don't, don't say this lightly, get some fucking help. Well, because he literally said he'd do it again, multiple times. He had no remorse, and that's the part that messes me up. It doesn't matter if he'd do it again or not, he did it once. And that's enough. He did it. If he had so much as thought about doing that, I've never once been like, I'd eat a person. And it's... I don't I can't reiterate enough that it's disgusting to me that he was not only given a platform but respected and revered yeah. after doing some of the most disgusting things. Jamie and I mentioned at the top of the show that we'd stumbled upon some photos that we weren't expecting to see. Yeah. We found so he had taken photos during his process. We found those, we found crime scene photos, things that are genuinely 
very disturbing. But I feel like when I know we started, people are curious, but don't I don't recommend no. looking these up. Like I'm going to have nightmares tonight, and I felt physically like, ill. Like I genuinely feel like when we started this episode, we were. I mean, Jamie and I haven't talked in a couple of days. We were kind of lighthearted about things, and we were kind of going into it, not jokingly, obviously, we still wanted to be respectful and have a serious conversation, but it was not as baffling to us as it was once we saw the photographs and had that in front of us. Well, and it, it was so unexpected because we were talking about what respectful post can we do on Instagram, like mm-hmm. maybe we can find some paperwork to post because we, we did not want to glorify the, the victim of, we did not pictures want pictures of Sorbonne pictures of Japan we yeah so we were like well let's try and find something that will be respectable and instead we came across like crime scene photos that are burned into my eyeballs right now yeah and I probably won't ever forget that like very very rarely do we have visceral reactions to things and we both and did I, I can genuinely say that we did and it's like, I feel anger right now. I can't direct that anger at anybody because, like, we'll talk about in a minute, Sagawa's dead. But fuck me. Like, it just... It's baffling. Like, I, for some reason... Not for some reason. I feel like I'm on the verge of tears right now because mm-hmm. seeing what had been done to Renee's body, if that was me, obviously I'd be dead, but if I knew what had happened to me, the rage in my heart, like, how dare you yep. do that to me when it's I just, cannot fight back? Like, it's a blatant respect. disrespect. Ooh. Not just to the individual. And this is the, the what gets me about it is it's not a disrespect. I mean, it is a disrespect to the person. But it's not at its core a disrespect to the individual. It's a disrespect to human existence. Yeah. And a disrespect to familial connections between humans. Like understanding a companionship between our species. There was none of that. There was no acknowledgement that there was a soul beyond the body. Nor that that soul mattered. Yeah. But at this point, he can get fucked. Well, and at the same time, he also is literally quoted to say, I hope people will read my book and stop thinking of me as a monster. Brother, you are a monster. What do you mean? You are a monster, and that soul did matter. Yeah. And she still does. So. So he got what he deserved in the end. He's dead now. At the end, in November of 2022, he died of pneumonia. After suffering it wasn't, from diabetes and also two heart attacks. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it was not in a prison cell. It was at home um, at 73 years old. 73 years too many of this man's existence in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a soul that the world would have been better off without. And I don't hesitate to say that. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, he was a person too. But when you do stuff like this your personhood gets taken from you. Can I can I leave us with one more kind of bone-chilling addition to that? Please do, because I'm done. Um, yeah. Uh, so in 2018, he was quoted um, during 
filming where um, his brother asks him, as your brother, would you eat me? And the only response Sagawa gave was an empty stare and silence. Well, I'd say that about sums up our conversation for today. Yeah. Um, sorry, it was a bit of a heavier one. We haven't had a super heavy one in a while. But like I said, we were kind of caught off guard by the yeah. heaviness of it as well. So I guess we'll just we'll do a wrap up. If you would like to share your thoughts, your opinions, comments, questions, concerns about anything you've heard in our episode today, you can feel free to reach out to us at our email, which is creepsandcoffee at gmail.com. You can give us a follow and send us a message on our Instagram and our Twitter, which are at creepsandcoffee. If you would like to help us along on our journey and see our updates, uh, new shows, new posts, whatever the case may be, or if you would like to help support the show and help fuel our caffeine-induced recording sessions, you can check out our Buy Me A Coffee page, which is buymeacoffee.com slash creepsandcoffee. Um, and if you promise- feel cannibalistic urges, go to a psychiatrist. Actually, Get all of you help. should All of you should go to therapy anyway. It's fantastic. That is um, also true. But definitely mention cannibalism if and that's a thing for you. if you get rejected the first time, do not wait 32 years before acting on it. Go to a Please. different therapist. Please. Get some help. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Creeps and Coffee is produced and edited by us, Kate and Jane. Our theme music is Stuck in a Hole by Dayton. For more information on where to find them, check out the link in our show notes. And to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Creeps and Coffee.